please be advised that the content expressed in this episode will deal with emotionally challenging content, both personally and theoretically dealing with mental health. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to Totally Woman, the podcast. I am your host, Rosemary Crosdale. I am a registered nurse, and I'm also an adult gerontology nurse practitioner. On this podcast, we talk about everything women, and nothing is off limits. I want to welcome back my listeners, my dedicated listeners who have been with me for the past three episodes. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your words of encouragement. And I also want to thank you if you're joining me for the very first time. I want to welcome you to Totally Woman. And I hope that, you know, we meet your expectations and you will continue to join us. So Totally Woman is available for your listening pleasure on Spotify. We're also on iHeartRadio and we're also on Apple Podcasts. You can also log on to ICN.DJ to listen to us as well. I am on Facebook and Instagram. It's Rose underscore Cross One. So you can follow me on those platforms. September, as most of you know, is Mental Health and Suicide Awareness Month. On episode three, I delve into some aspects of mental health, namely anxiety and depression, which kind of covers like the mood disorders and stuff. These come under that umbrella. On today's episode, though, we are going to dig a little bit deeper and explore the aspects of mental health that if they're not dealt with, they can be detrimental. So that is what we're talking about on episode four today. This is our first guest. Yes, it is a totally woman first. And I want you to just join me in welcoming Miss Heather Dennis. Yes, let me big her up and formally introduce her. She is a registered nurse. She's been a registered nurse for more than over 20 years, primarily working in critical care as well as different aspects of nursing. She is currently a board-certified primary mental health nurse practitioner. Yes, she has been working in mental health now for over five years. She primarily works with a population that is pretty high-functioning. She works with a population ages 18 to 65, so that is the adult population, She is a mom of three, which is her greatest pride and joy. With that said, Miss Heather, before we even go any further, give us just a little, little synopsis, not too much now, just a little synopsis of your take on mental health. Okay. First of all, I have to say congratulations, Rosemary. This is such a a great opportunity to be here with you. And I thank you for just doing what you're doing. This is really amazing, really an amazing accomplishment. So a little, little synopsis on my take on mental health. 
I'm going to just bring you back a little bit into my childhood and then I'll fast forward to, to where we are. So I don't, Please don't go too far now. Not, not too, far. too far. I know, I know. So back in the days, I'm not sure if you, if you did a class on mental ability when you were in elementary school, but I'm from Jamaica and I had to do a class for mental ability. We definitely that did was, that class. Well, yes. That was my first rebound memory of anything mental or anything, you know, that we had to problem solve, right? So now fast forward to, to my nursing career. It wasn't until my traumatic event, right? Um, when I lost my daughter, I went back to school and I mean, the program was such a great program, right? Psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. That was really what really helped me to just process what was going on, because I know I'm not a writer. I know I'm not an activist. So this was something that I know I could have done, right, for my mental health. And now I have my own private practice and I see patients who are low acuity and high functioning, anxiety, depression and um, attention deficit. But as you know, it just takes one little incident, right? that can cause you to have a mental episode, a mental illness or some form of episode, a depressive episode or, or a panic attack or yes. some issues with um, where, you're, where there's a loss in your cognition, right? So that's where I am right now in, in my mental health um, career, mental health journey. I shared some of my personal issues the last time with just dealing with depression. And, you know, I also spoke about, you know, me also losing a child. And, you know, as a mom, that is such a traumatic thing for us to go through as mothers. And, you know, sometimes what we do is that we kind of put it under the, put it under a bushel. And you have two other kids, not that it takes away from the one that you lost, you know, and sometimes those are the comments that you get that sometimes you have to actually shun them because people don't really understand that the fact that you have other children does not replace the one that you lost, you know. So I understand dealing with that from your perspective. But, you know, as women, sometimes we take on so much, you know, we take on a lot, we bury them and what we do, we do a lot of those things. What are some of the challenges that you see right now facing women in mental health? Like what are some of the barriers then, you know, that would prevent them from seeking care and stuff like that? Can you just talk about that a little bit? Uh, the major, the major one is just the biases, your stigma, your own stigma. Yes. Right? So once you've gone past that stigma, then now it is to find a mental health um, provider who possibly will accept your insurance now you have to maneuver, you have to adjust your schedule, adjust your time, especially if you are a working mother who is suffering from either postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. Now you have to make space for yourself and for those meetings, because the majority of the times the meetings are not going to be one, one session. It is theorized that you need at least 100 sessions before you can have an optimized um, level of wellness. So it takes, it takes time. So I'll say the stigma is an, is an issue, access to care, and just having that time, right? Sometimes as a working mother, it's tough to get the time off from work to, to really take care of your mental health needs. So time, I would say access to care and just your own internal bias and societal um, stigma. 
I understand perfectly. Do you know of anything that is available for the regular woman out there who, you know, they probably don't have the insurance then, for example, that you probably would be taking, or if it's something that they're going to be paying for out of pocket, do you know of any uh, resource or anything that is available for women in that particular dilemma or who fit that criteria? Well, there are a lot of referral services out there. Okay. Um, that a patient can seek through. Um, but what I would encourage women to do is to seek help from your primary care provider. If you do have a primary health care provider, seek help from them and then hope to get a referral through your primary care provider. It's okay. just unfortunate that in our society that our job dictates our insurance and then our insurance dictate who we see but what I would encourage my clients to do is to have a little bit of, it's almost like your health saving account, right? Have a little bit of money set aside so that if there is any sort of emergency and you need to seek immediate help, then you can also pay out of pocket. I know most providers will accept a sliding scale. It depends on your income and, and so forth. So there are options that women can take to get them to the right care. I know access is an issue, but as individual, if possible, start putting away, even if it is $20 a month, right? Or $50 a month so that you're saving for what we call a rainy day, right? Some event that will happen because Rosemary, four out of 10 women walking around right now has have depression and depression yes. can lead to suicidal ideation, suicidal fantasy, you may not complete the suicidal, the, the, the suicide, but the ideation is there, the fantasy is there. How many times have you heard, I just wish I could get hit by a truck, right? Or I could just, uh, some sort of ideation, right? But it's, sometimes it's our protective factors, right? That really keeps us focused and keeps us grounded, right? right. Maybe it's our parents or our family or our children or a spouse or someone who is really a pillar in your life that is going to cause you not to take that plunge, right? So I would say try to have some form of saving for yourself, but talk. Talk to your friends. Talk to someone that you rely on. Talk to your primary care um, provider. Hey, I'm going through this right now and I need some help. Right. right. Yeah. Because then some people will say, listen, this is the last twenty dollars that I have, you know, instead of me putting it into an account to worry about, you know, my personal health when I have a couple of kids to take care of, you know, school is back, different things. The rent is due. They may need something, you know, that I have to provide for. How do we tell our women to deal with situations like that? And, you know, even after talking to their primary care doctor, are there any, you know, resources maybe offered through the state or anything like that that maybe are considered some free, you know, in terms of maybe a clinic or stuff like that, separate from private care that would be available for some of these women? Yeah, well, the NAMI website, right, the National Alliance Against Mental Illness, that's a website that is available for, for everyone to access, can you say that again, Heather, but a little bit slower? Okay. The NAMI? Yeah, so it's N-A-M-I. Uh -huh. well, that's the website that you can go to to access. So it's the National Elite Alliance on Mental Health or Mental Illness. Um, mm -hmm. That's a website. And you can always go there and find your local chapter. 
and get some resources to help you get the support. But Rosemary, what I want to encourage each and every one of us, if mm-hmm. you are the primary caretaker of your family, so you are basically at the center of everyone's world and you should also be the center of your world, right? So imagine you are a center and everything that surrounds you should add values to your life. So if you are the poor and if you are broken, then you are not dealing or not giving or cannot receive at your most optimal. Yes. But I want you to think about yourself at the, as the center and everything that I do in my life must add values to my life. If you can see a primary care, if you can see a mental health provider, then I know there are streets that you can go for a run right? There are exercises, there are food that you can eliminate out of your diet to help you. There are, make sure that you're going to bed, right? You can do the foundational work, right? Make sure that you're eating, make sure that you're sleeping, make sure that you're, you're doing these things that you know that you have control over. And if there is a matter of food insecurity, and if there's a matter of, you know, not having a home, then of course, those are the primary issues, right? We want to make sure that you're eating, make, make sure that you have somewhere safe to sleep. And we yes. want to make sure that you feel safe and protected until yes. that is rectified, until those basic needs are well developed and taken care of. Yes. Then it's going to be tough for you to seek help per se. Yes. But I mentioned before that I work in private practice. My patients are low acuity meaning that I don't work with the severely mentally ill. So these are working adult, functioning adult. And it, it, as I said before, right, it takes just one simple incident to derail your life, right? And I was listening to your podcast, episode three, and you mentioned any, any incident could have happened, right, that can cause us to not cope with what is going on. Right. But I believe if you have those basic things, right, if you're sleeping well, if you're eating well, right, if you're making good connection, then that support is there and it's going to help you to heal once you get the right tool to support your, uh, to to almost to say parent your trauma. Yes. Oh, my God. I love that term. Parent your trauma. That is just, you know, exactly what we as women sometimes, because a lot of times what happens is that you are the one even, you know, you're the breadwinner. You're the one doing all of these things. But where do you fall on the list? I talked about that earlier. You're getting everything ready. You're doing everything for everybody else. But you're on the bottom of the list. So, ladies, just like Heather is saying, you have to prioritize yourself as well and to make mental health a part of our wellness, okay? So we have to make sure that we're putting our, ourselves on the board and not just keeping ourselves at the bottom of the list. Another thing too, Heather, we've heard about situations we've seen where there are moms who, you know, they've gotten to that point where they cannot you know, cope or they cannot take it. They're they're, they're so severely depressed. You know, I talked about, you know, people are not even able to shower or do certain things for themselves and they get so severely depressed. And when they get to that point, you know, some of the, the signs and symptoms then as friends or as relatives that we can look out for that will show us that, listen, this person is in danger. What can you 
suggest to some of our listeners if they feel like whether it's themselves, right? Because it could be them, or if they have someone who they worry about. Like you said, you work in a situation where you know, it's low acuity, but low acuity doesn't mean that your patients aren't probably going through some traumatic experience as well. And then it could take one little thing to push them over. So what are some of the things that as families, as friends, you know, as husbands and, you know, spouses and partners, what are some of these things that we can look out for to see if someone is on the brink of, you know, suicide or or whatever? Can you uh, delve into that a little bit. Of course, of course. So the signs and symptoms of depression differs in everyone. It differs yes. in, in women as well, right? Mm-hmm. Just as a heart attack, it mm-hmm. differs, right? So, but let me just tell you a few symptoms. So if you notice that a family member or a friend is no longer interested in the things that usually brings them joy and pleasure, that's one if mm-hmm. there's a feeling of hopelessness, a feeling of worthlessness, helplessness, if they're just irritable, if they're just anxious, sad, this empty mood, just this relentlessness, just this feeling of I'm so down, mm-hmm. right? And of course, if you're having sleep issues, if you're having, if you're no longer interested in intimacy, right? Then I want you to be on the alert then. Yes. These are some of the the signs and symptoms of depression, but it could be anger, right? Right. I could be very angry and I'm fighting a lot. I'm just very snappy or I'm just quiet, or it could be, I'm just extremely restless and I'm moving around and I'm talking Mm. a lot, right? So it, it differs in everyone, but those feeling of hopelessness, the feeling of helplessness, just the suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts, not sleeping or just sleeping too much. Those are some of the symptoms also on depression. Okay. And I'm and, sorry, Rosemary, and also pain, mm-hmm. pain. I forgot to pain. Pain. Yes. Right. Yes. So if you're having these, these pain in your neck, pain, headaches, chest pain, uh, of course, if it's chest pain, then you want to make sure we want to rule out everything, right? Because we don't want it to be a heart attack. But right. pain can also be um, a sign of depression. Okay. Thank you so much for that. So some of those signs and symptoms that we are looking out for, and like Heather says, those symptoms vary. So it may be a combination of those things. It could be different things. It could be somebody who all of a sudden they were, you know, very bubbly. And now that person has just gone mute on you. They're very silent. They're not saying anything. Or if it was someone who is the opposite, maybe they were very silent before. And now all of a sudden they get like a surge of energy energy. So it differs. And those are the things that she says that we can look for and that we can identify maybe in some of our family members who are probably on the brink or even thinking about suicide. Ms. Dennis, Heather, what is what are your thoughts on medication? And when we talk about medication, I know that's very taboo. You know, a lot of people, they feel like if they do go on medication, they're going to get addicted. They're, the medication is going to, you know, heighten their perception of certain things. It's going to cause them to feel in different ways. In terms of medication, what do you, what are your thoughts on medication? And yeah. when do we give them to people? All right. So I, I did an in-service years ago and the host referred to the tabletop um, analogy. So the tabletop, if you think about the table 
Um, the table has multiple legs of support. Um, a table can't really stand if it doesn't have any legs at all. Yes. So what I say is medication is one leg. Mm-hmm. Exercise is one leg. Sleep mm-hmm. is one leg. So it's all a combination. Some patients I may not need, you may not need medication, but if you are, if there is any kind of impairment in your functionality mm-hmm. and the patient is about to get discharged from work, terminated from work, then I am going to possibly introduce the lowest possible dose of a medication. And usually medication takes about three months, so six weeks or three months to work in some patient. It all depends on the right um, agent that we're using. But I, I, truthfully, I do both. I do medication and talk therapy as well. I try to exhaust talk therapy before going to medication. Sometimes I need to start medication right away. Understand, um, because sure. I want to, I want to break the pattern, the break the way you're thinking, and I want the psychotherapy, the CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, or sometimes I'll use tapping, which is emotional freedom technique, and tapping to just reduce the intensity of what's what you're experiencing. So I try to throw a lot of tools and a lot of techniques at my patient. If I don't see that working, then I will rely on the medication. And usual medication is short term. Yes. Um, because depression is an episode that you're having, right? Right. It doesn't have to go into chronic depression or dysthymia, mm-hmm. persistent depressive episodes. I can use some medication at times to break the cycle because I want you functioning. I yes. want you connecting, right? Yes. Because that's what's important, that connection. Mm-hmm. Right. If we're not connecting with things that we enjoyed in the past or finding new ways to connect, then it's going to be isolation. Yes. Right? We're going to be isolated. We're going to feel anxious and depression is going to worsen, which can lead to suicidal ideation, suicidal fantasy and yes. suicide. Yes. Yes. Totally agree. Isolation is such a big thing when people start to isolate and, you know, they don't want to be around other people and stuff like that. We know that that is a definite cause for them to become even more, put a suicidal plan into place without anybody even being aware of what is going on with them, because now you don't even know what is going on. So we have to make it our duty. We have to check on people. You have to check on people, check on your friends. If you don't hear from them within a certain time and stuff like that, we really do have to check on them. Oh my God, this has been so, so, so amazing. I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough. What is something that you would just like to leave the ladies with? Like, you know, if you would just want to like share, you know, something that they can, you know, in terms of, I mean, we know that we have the suicide hotline. In terms of it's nine, it's nine, eight, eight. Yes. And that is a suicide hotline that people can always, you know, call. And if they, if they feel that they need help, they can call that hotline and they can get help. And emergently, if it's very emergent, then 911 is what we should be calling as well. Because they can provide whatever resources you need at that time. But if you want to leave my listeners with something or some food for thought or just something just to think about or some knowledge that you would like to just leave them with or, you know, just something to sum up (laughs) all of this, what would that be? Well, I want to, to leave this with your listeners. 
you know, I believe that we're light and I believe that we can invoke peace. And by doing so simple, simple things, and these are the things that you can control. I don't yeah. want you to think about tomorrow. I don't want to say I don't have any time because there's 168 hours in a week. So there's a lot of time within that week for you to find some time to really take a break and relax and rest, right? What does that mean to you? What does resting mean to you? For me, I had to learn how to rest. And my rest time is I get up 30 minutes early every morning. Every morning, if I decide that I'm going to get up at six o'clock, I'm getting up at 5.30 because I know I need that 30 minutes extra just to focus on myself before the children are awake and before I get into their day. And right. it's possible if you can't get up early, do it before you go to bed, right? Do some form of rest and relaxation to just invoke that peace so that you can have a clear mind to write down the things that may pop up in your brain because our thoughts are very active, right? Our <laughs> yes. Super active. And especially at night when we want to sleep, that's the most it can be active at that point. So if you can rest throughout the day, right? I have this little, this little timer. I call it my, this the Pomodoro technique. So I, what I do is every 10 minutes, right? I'll set a timer for a little bit of a break and then get back to my day, right? And try to figure out how to maneuver your time so that you're really resting and taking care of your body. Heather Dennis, I cannot thank you enough. I cannot thank you enough. I am so appreciative. Thank you for being my first guest. Thank you for all that information. Oh my God, I so appreciate it. And I know my listeners appreciate it as well. That, you know, the different takeaways that they can do. Oh my God, resting and relaxation to invoke that peace that you need in order to carry you throughout your day. That is what we need to be doing for each other. Thank you again. I know from this that you will not be a stranger. And hopefully sometime down the line or sometime soon, we will be able to talk again. Thank you so much for your time. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. That was such a fantastic conversation with my girl, Heather Dennis. I just want to thank her again so much for joining the conversation this month on mental health and suicide awareness. Oh my God, she really gave us some nuggets that we can take away from just listening to her. And I hope that we will just like put this into practice, right? We will develop these self-care because guess what? If we are not taking care of ourselves and prioritizing ourselves, as I have been saying time and time again, then you won't be able to take care of anybody else, okay? Heather touched on so many different things. She touched on some of the signs and symptoms because on episode three, we did talk about some stuff with, you know, anxiety and depression. On this episode, we primarily dealt with some suicide issues and what we're looking for when some of us are struggling. What are some of the signs and symptoms that we're looking for? How can we tell if our loved one, if our friend, if our spouse, if someone is in trouble and they're getting ready, you know, because they're thinking of ending things because of the way how they're feeling. 
and Heather discuss some of the primary things, some of the symptoms. And understand, these symptoms may vary. These symptoms may vary from person to person, right? They may be different. But some of the ones that pretty much go across the board is all of a sudden, people are hopeless. They have a feeling of hopelessness. They're irritable. You know, they feel empty. They're always down. They want to be isolated. They don't want anyone around. There's a loss of joy. There's a loss of pleasure. You have your spouse or you have your partner, but you don't want to be intimate, lack of intimacy, all of these things, no contact with the outside world or with anyone. So these are some things that we see that happens when people are suffering, especially sometimes they get into a really severe depressive disorder, right? Depression comes in very various shapes, forms, and sizes, right? It's not a one size fits all thing. It could be where someone could all of a sudden, and it could be a little thing. Like Heather says, she works with low acuity. And even then it could be one thing that could just push one of our patients over the edge, right? So these are certain things that we can look for and look for in our loved ones, as well as the people that we care about and our friends that we can check up on them. Okay. Another thing that she talked about is that in terms of medication, I know there's a big stigma with medication, especially in the black and brown community. Our thing is always, you know, medication. And you heard what Heather said. She said that medication is not given in the beginning. Sometimes, yes, you may have to, because now if someone cannot function, they're on the verge of losing their job or something like that. You cannot wait now to just talk to this person and talk therapy may not help this person at this point. This person needs something else to help them. So what does she do and what does she recommend? You start low and slow right? We don't just give the person the highest dose of the medication. No, they're given first the lowest dose. And in order to see any results, usually the results usually take over six weeks or more. It could be months before you start to see any changes. So when you first start taking these medications, you cannot just abruptly stop them like that. You have to make sure that you're taking them for the duration. Some of you, as she spoke about, if you don't have health insurance, there are other resources out there that are available to you. She talked about the NAMI website. That is a local website, and you can go on there and you can find resources in your community that are available to you if you need mental health care. Another person that you can rely on, if you have your primary doctor, discuss the issues that you're facing with your primary doctor. Sometimes that is your first line of support, right? Because what they can do now is provide you with a resource. They can say, okay, I can sign you up for psychotherapy if that's what you need. If maybe you had a loss, they can recommend you for grief therapy or something, Okay, so sometimes just talking to your primary doctor is a good thing and they can also get you started. But one of the things that she talked about that I really liked is that you are the light and you invoke a certain amount of peace. So you have to do this resting and relaxation. 
resting and relaxation, and that is to invoke that peace. She talked about there's 168 hours in a week. We're not even talking about the 168 hours in a week. Let's talk about the 24 that we have in a day. So you have 24 to play with. You wake up. Her kids get up at around 6. So she'll get up at around 5 or 5.30, maybe do a little meditation and just see how she's going to just put her thoughts and just to gather herself to Together. Maybe she go to the gym. Maybe you prepare your lunch. These are things that can also help your mental health. The way we're eating, the way we're exercising, just going outside, getting good sunlight, stuff like that. Okay. So again, I just want to thank Heather. She was my first guest ever on the Totally Woman podcast. I really appreciate her and I appreciate her contribution to mental health and what she is doing. And ladies, ladies, I cannot say it enough, self-care, self-care. We have to be kind to ourselves. Some of us are not kind with ourselves at all. We have to be kind to ourselves. Pat yourself on your back, dust your shoulders off, right? Because you've got this, you've got this. You know, whatever you do, whatever your faith is, I talk about faith, I talk about, you know, just trusting God and believing in God and praying, meditating, different things that you can do. If you don't share my same sentiments, then you can do whatever you feel is good for you because not everybody will feel that way. And that's fine. You know, sometimes it's just listening to music or just doing something that makes you feel well. Maybe going to get a massage, maybe just taking a shower. The kids are in bed and you're just sitting on the sofa and just relaxing. So these are some things that we can all do for ourselves. But guess what? You need to be kind to yourself. And at the end of the day, like I always say, totally women, I want you to go out there and I want you to inspire and I want you to motivate and I want you to uplift each other until next time.